Welcome to the Sensual Power Podcast. This is a podcast for women, AFAP people, and anyone looking to learn more about generational trauma, childhood trauma, narcissistic abuse, sacred sexuality, and healing any wounds around money, sex, relationships, self, and doing expansion work with that. Everything that I'm talking about is based on my own experiences of healing and the work that I do with my clients. Keep in mind, though, I am a cis white woman, so the views that I express do come with a sense of privilege, and if harm is done, I am always willing to repair harm, so please reach out if that happens. Otherwise, stay tuned and listen to your next episode right now. Welcome back to the Sensual Power Podcast. As always, I am your host, Valerie Schrader, and today we are going to talk about What does it look like to be sovereign in your body, in yourself, after doing a lot of the healing work around generational trauma, growing up with a narcissistic mom or parent? And the reason I decided to do this podcast today was honestly for my clients first and foremost, because I have a few clients right now that have been working with me for a little while and They were really asking me, what's it really like for you now? Like, what does it feel like to be you and to not struggle with all of the things that I'm still struggling with? And I thought about that and I was like, you know what? I haven't talked about some of the the smaller yet so profound things that I experience in my own life. And when we are starting to contemplate getting help, getting support, to start working through a lot of the things that we grew up with that are still hurting us or other traumas in our life that are still affecting us, a lot of what stops us is one, fear of how life is going to change, right? Fear of disappointing people because we're so used to anticipating other people and making things about other people and not ourselves. But two, because we don't have any frame of reference yet, oftentimes, for what it is actually like to live in a state of sovereignty, to live in a state of happiness. Like, it's not that we don't experience happiness, but there's a difference between moments of happiness combined with lots of pain or living in pain quite often and making <laughs> the majority of your life about living in happiness, living in authenticity, living in sovereignty and really putting yourself first. So I thought that this would be something really important and great for people. and. As I'm getting into this topic, I want you, as you're listening to this, to really take some time afterward and imagine for yourself, if you haven't started this journey yet, or maybe you're newer on it, I want you to take everything I'm saying and maybe take some notes on some of what I'm talking about is my lived experience now. And keep in mind that can be slightly different, but there are specific concepts that I notice across the board tend to come up regardless of gender, race, culture, when we really give ourselves permission to heal. And it doesn't mean that we don't still deal with things. It doesn't mean that there still are not systems of oppression 
that affect some people more than others or some people versus other people. But on a, a smaller individual experience, I notice some of these things are very, very common after we've done a lot of work for ourselves. So take note of those. And if it's not your experience yet, I want you to ask yourself, close your eyes, what would it feel like for that to be your reality? Can you create a small picture of it based on what I'm talking about? Would it feel good for you to have that? Would it feel amazing for you to have that? And if the answers are yes, and you like what you're envisioning for yourself a little bit, and even if it's a small vision, right, even if it's not totally flushed out, that's going to be something to motivate you to start doing the work. And of course, I'm here to do the work with you. If you want support with that from me, sign up for my mailing list, book a call, whatever, reach out. I want to help you with this because it really is great to be on this side of things. So let's dive in, shall we? <laughs> so one of the first things that I talk to my clients about when they ask me, like, what really is your experience after all of this? Like, what, what is life like for you now? How do you live? How do you operate? So one of the first things that I tell them is, well... I don't plan out much of my day anymore outside of my client calls and any meetings I have, right? Any, anything that like is a have to on my list. Um, my dad is currently going through cancer treatment. So that also includes like any appointments that I need to be there with him for, whether that's to physically drive him to and from or to be there as an emotional support, somebody to take notes so that he's not feeling the pressure, right? Um, and then, you know, my daughter being in college, there's few times that they need me right now because they don't live at home, right? But, and I understand for some people, like when you don't work for yourself or you have, you know, different things, you can't fully design out your day so that you can just do whatever you want. This is a huge privilege of working for myself. And yet, there's a difference with how I do that compared to before. Because if you don't know me very well yet, or you haven't been listening for very long, I've actually run my own business for nearly 20 years. I've been coaching for a long time, but I also ran a brick and mortar business as a pole and aerial studio instructor. Um, for quite many years, actually 15 years. So, and then before that, I actually ran a studio for people and was teaching somatic movement and all kind of things. So I've worked for myself for a long time. And a lot of people make assumptions that when you work for yourself, it's just all like you hanging out, you like can do what you want whenever you want. And to a degree, but you still have to get things done, right? I, I've just reached a point where certain things I delegate out to staff, right? Um, that I have, so like a VA or a social media manager or anything like that. Like I've delegated things like that out. Um, but outside of that, like, yes, I'm getting things done. But instead of it becoming like, let's say I'm getting ready to launch something new. 
There was a time in my life that I would put so much pressure on myself to get everything done, everything filmed. I would feel like I need to go above and beyond my normal above and beyond to put things in there. And what would end up happening is I would burn myself out before the program even launched or whatever. I would feel like based on the price point and then what I was giving in it, I was ending up cheating myself a little bit. And keeping in mind, like, I offer things at many different levels. I have a way that you can get like a subscription to my meditations for $9.99 a month. I have self-guided um, coursework that you can use, right? All the way up to working with me one-on-one or doing a retreat with me or something like that. So there's different price points. But what I was doing is feeling this immense internal pressure that I had to get everything done right away. It had to be perfect. And I would agonize over it. And then if it wasn't all done by the time I was launching, I would burn out on the launch because what I was feeling like is, oh, well, this isn't ready. I can't sell this right now. That is a huge shift. Whereas now, like, I have things on a list. I know what I want to get done. I know that even if I launch a group program and I have lectures or PDFs or meditations that aren't pre-recorded, which I don't really even need to create more. I have like almost 60 meditations at this point and tons of PDFs and things that I can pump into a course. But what I would do is agonize over that. Now, I don't get everything done. I don't write up all of the social media content or film everything right away because I know I can do that as things go. I don't put so much pressure on myself to give so much because I'm worried that somebody's going to perceive me as charging too much for my work, which directly correlated with this idea in my head that I was not worthy of what I was offering, that I was not worth anything, right? And that this idea of needing to people please so much that what I was doing is stressing myself out and trying to perform and perform and perform and produce and produce and produce to the point of exhaustion and burnout. And now what I do is look at it and be like, all right, what is the experience I want to give people? What'll make me feel good with this? And I go into it knowing already that I'm going to give people an amazing experience. My clients Every single one of them at some point has told me multiple times that they are so grateful they made the choice to hire me. And I don't say that in a way of like, see, you should hire me too, right? I may not be the perfect coach for you, but it's more of because I have gotten to a point where I instinctively know I am worthy. I am smart I am extremely well educated on what I'm coaching on and I have my lived experience to go with that and I, I go in with the intention of being supportive and being a safe place for my clients and that in itself is based on trusting my own self-worth and loving myself and appreciating myself enough that I know I can do this so I don't need to go 
so far above and beyond. Like I want my clients to feel like they, what they're paying, (laughs) they'd be happy to pay twice that, three times that if they had the money. I'm not asking them to pay me that much, but it's more about the, I want them to feel like the experience they're walking away with is more valuable than the price they paid. And that is exactly what they're getting. But there's a difference between saying that and actually believing that. And it comes down to being in a place where instead of looking for other people to validate my existence and to tell me that, I just know that about myself now. That is something that I was never taught growing up. In fact, I was always taught that it was never good enough. I was never perfect enough. And I was not worth as much as I wanted to be. In fact, like the amount of times I was told you're worthless, like those actual words coming out of my mother's mouth were so often, you're worthless, you're selfish. So everything I was doing most of my life was based on feeling like I was worthless and fearing that I would be seen as selfish. So to combat that, I got to overgive. I got to overdeliver for people. I got to overdo everything. And what it was doing is depleting me. Now when I show up, my first priority is how can this bring pleasure to me? How can I feel good about what I'm doing and feel like I'm being valued for my work? And I don't say that in an egotistical way, but like if I don't feel like I'm being valued in my work, my natural instinct is not going to be to make sure that I deliver for you, right? And and that, that goes beyond doing the actual work. But if I don't feel valued in my own life by myself, then I'm not going to show up in a way that shows others value. Do you get what I'm saying about that? Like when we don't value ourselves, when we don't see ourselves as worthy it's hard for us to see other people's valuable and worthy it's really hard and it's not intentional and sometimes it's so subtle but we do it and now I'm in that place where I value myself I validate myself I feel worthy and so I show up that way and ask myself the question how can I make sure my client feels that way how can I do that so I don't plan a lot because I know that whatever I decide to do in that day is based on the values of myself and what I want to give to this world. And it's not based on trying to prove my worthiness to anybody because I know I'm worthy. It's not based on me trying to get validated by other people because I know that I'm valuable already. I know that I'm valued already. So that's the first thing. And that in and of itself is so freeing because my actions are not based on trying to make other people happy as much as they're about making myself happy and doing whatever it is that I feel called to do to show and share love in this world. For me, that's a lot of my work. That's a lot of my activism. That's a lot of my education, right? Or educating others. But it's also just living, right? So it's not uncommon throughout my day that I'll get this urge like to go out in my garden, to go outside, take some walks, 
go sit on a patio. Like literally before I started recording this podcast, I went to my favorite coffee shop, grabbed a coffee, grabbed a little treat because my dad's in an in-between stage. So we don't have any appointments until his next you know, round of treatment starting next week. So it's like, you know what? It's a beautiful day out. The sun is great. It's not too hot. I'm going to go just sit on the patio, eat a treat, drink some coffee, and then leisurely walk home. And because I know, you know, I have client sessions coming up later in the day. And I've designed my life to allow for things like that because it's what fills me up. And I know that when I get on my next client call and the ones following that, I'm going to show up so damn good for them because I placed my value first, because I placed my worth first, because I placed my self-nourishment and self-love first. I am filled up. I can support them. I can support my kid if they happen to call me and need support. And given schools just started up and they're a STEM major, sometimes they need some de-stressing, right? Which brings me to the next stage of this. The ways that I interact with people and the people that I surround myself with are so different. They're so different. I had this nasty habit of letting myself be surrounded by people that kind of sucked the life out of me figuratively um and it's funny like I say that and we all know what I'm talking about like those energy suckers those energy vampires in our lives not to be confused with Colin Robinson on what we do in the shadows if you're not a fan please check out the show it's hilarious um but kind of like that where people just it felt like I was always surrounding with myself with people that needed something from me or that had their own wounding, their own stuff. And I felt like I was constantly trying to save them. And it was very subconscious. Like I've had friends tell me in the past, like, oh, you, you always want to help the hurt dogs. Um, and, you know, not that they were calling people dogs, but it was the whole idea of like, you know, there can be some some person that is hurting, some person that's not in a good place within themselves or their life. And no matter how detrimental that could be to me, and I'm not saying that people don't deserve support, but like the thing about that is we don't need to rescue them. Right? We don't need to do shit like that. We don't need to step in for people that aren't ready or don't want their help, our help. And what happens a lot of times when we do that, and when we're not in a good place ourselves and not secure, we tend to attract people that can suck the life out of us, that kind of bring us down to where they're at with things. And I did that in relationships, like romantic relationships. I did it in friendships. I did it in business things. I would find myself in these habits of getting involved with businesses that were just starting out and we'd create a collaboration with one another and it wouldn't work out. And what was going on is I was trying to come in and be the support and help for somebody that I never got. And that was going into every relationship, including these business ones. The business ones was the last one that I figured out and I was like, oh, I see what I'm doing here. Okay. 
Now I understand the pattern. And what it was is an, a hurt inner me that never got anybody to step in and help them. Never, I never got anybody to step in and save me from my mom. So I was still trying to save other people. And that included businesses. And, it, you know, I'm not saying that new businesses don't need help and support. They do. But, like, they weren't in a place mentally to be ready for what we were talking about. So it wasn't going to work. And then all that I felt from it is that, see, nobody's helping me out of it. Like, no, nobody's helping me. And it wasn't about very self-serving behavior, but it was just... Again, perpetuating this belief from childhood that nobody was going to come help me because I didn't deserve it. And I didn't want other people to feel that way. So I would self-sacrifice as much as possible to make sure they weren't experiencing that, even if they weren't ready for it or didn't ask for it. And that's been something totally different. It's so easy for me to set boundaries now. And I'm not saying that I don't have little moments where I get freaked out. I definitely do. I have moments where I get scared of setting a boundary. Um, you know, I get nervous about speaking my truth or, you know, ending a relationship, ending a partnership or something like that. And yet it's, it's very minuscule compared to what it used to be because it used to be to a situation where I would avoid it at all costs and do more harm to myself and things would end up blowing up and be way worse than they needed to be than if I would have just had the conversation to start with. I don't do that now. It's very easy for me to set boundaries. And when I have the little wobbly moment around it, like I can shake it off. I can self-resource. And I can go into the conversation and do the thing. Like my own coach, Raluca, has talked to, about this many times of like when she sees me as my authentic self. And I see myself as this ver version of me in like the white pantsuit talking on a large stage. She's like, I don't see that version of you as never having doubt and fear. She's like, I almost see that version of you walking along with the little inner child you that is afraid, but saying like, no, we got this. We're doing this anyway. And that's actually what I feel now. Like I can hold the parts of me that get nervous about setting boundaries, about speaking up, about sharing my thoughts and uh, ideas on things, about ending relationships or partnerships, about having conversations that are tough. I can do all of that with a little bit of the wobbliness and trust like, no, this is good. And even if this person is upset, even if they are not happy about it, like, I'm good. <laughs> I am good. It's going to be okay. And I'm going to show up to the conversation honoring myself. And I'm not going to show up defensive and ready to lash out or paranoid. <laughs> I'm going to show up authentically. And however they act is however they act in that moment. And I've had moments where somebody has not been happy or pushed back or got defensive themselves or lashed out and it's okay I don't make it mean everything now because I'm like that's their experience that's how they're holding it I got me I am good I am so good now and I'm gonna honor that I'm gonna keep honoring that and that's a wonderful thing to do the other thing I do 
is because again, I used to make myself available to everything and everyone all the time without even checking in with myself. And the first thing I do is check in with myself. The first thing that I do, if somebody that is dumping on me, right? And obviously like my clients, like when we do a session together, they, they come to me with their things. Like I'm their safe place to let it all out, to dump it all out with. But I have so much set up in my life to be able to resource before that. And if I really need to, I will tell them, hey, I'm feeling a little activated right now. I'm going to get up and shake and I invite you to do it with me, actually. Or give me a pause for a second so that I can reset myself. And that way we can keep going. And I say that in a way that makes sure they know I'm not upset with them. I don't want them to shut down. I just want to make sure that I'm good and I'm human so I can help them. And it allows people to see me in my humanness and allows them to see themselves in their humanness in that moment. And what it feels so good because what I'm teaching them by example is that I'm a person and I have moments where I need to reset and I speak up for that versus taking things on. I used to be the person that anybody, and it wasn't just clients, but anybody in my life, I would let them dump all over me and I could feel myself getting drained. I could feel myself getting more and more anxious. I could feel myself getting triggered. I could feel that CPTSD like hardcore starting to go into like memories of things that this was triggering in my past and just having a full-blown meltdown after it and not understanding why and it was because I just wasn't holding these boundaries and I wasn't showing up authentically and saying I'm good right and then in romantic relationships like the way I approach dating now is I'm not trying to prove anything. I'm not trying to prove my worth to anybody. And I hold my boundaries and I'm, I have deep discussions and very honest and open dialogue. And if somebody isn't down with that or, or, you know, like they give me wobbly answers to things, then that's not acceptable to me. And it's acceptable for me to have them be wobbly and afraid of being vulnerable, but like, I want to talk that through versus hiding from it and using it as a way to be like, oh no, it's okay. Sexually, I, I have, I'm like, let's get, let's get real here for a minute. I have a great sex life now, whether that be solo or with anybody. And the reason for that is, is that I, one, I love my body. I love myself. I actually, was reading an amazing book the other day called Sacred Sex. Uh, just came out. It's by an amazing person. I will put the link or the link for that in the notes if you want to check it out. Even if you do sacred sex work like I do or you teach it, it's still great because I find books like even if I know what the content's gonna be and it's stuff I already know, sometimes it's great to have a practice. Or like somebody to remind you like, hey, get back into practicing because like that's another thing. I'm not always consistent with certain things and I've given myself permission to be okay with that, to be human. And like I just jump back in when I want to. Like 
I give myself permission to like have an off day instead of making it mean everything and like I've ruined everything. Like I have some autoimmune stuff. So it's really important for me to exercise, to eat certain foods and to avoid certain things and to really take good care of myself. And if I have an off day where I'm just not there, like that's okay. Sometimes I don't even need to have a full off day. Sometimes what I need to do is just lay around, watch a movie, take a bath, eat some comfort food, not do a whole lot and take a nap. And my whole day for the rest of the day is good. Sometimes it's not and it's okay. And then the next day I'll come back and I'm better than ever, right? I give myself these permissions now and it's amazing. But again, with my sex life, it's so much better because I love my body. I feel so comfortable in my body more than I ever have. And I've always been a person that's pretty sexually open, but like my connection to my spiritual self and my self-love with my sexual self, that was never the way it is now. And I honor what my body needs. So I'm totally comfortable having whatever type of experience I want to have and not putting pressure on myself to perform, not putting my pressure on myself to do things and say things or take part in certain acts that I don't want to. I don't have this desire anymore to um, please another person by, you know, not speaking up when I'm not experiencing the type of pleasure that I want to experience in the moment. That is something huge for me because what I used to do is never speak up when something didn't feel good. What I used to do was avoid telling somebody I didn't enjoy something or that something was hurting or that I was starting to kind of disassociate or I would even say yes to things when I didn't want them at all I don't do that anymore and even with myself like I got into this habit of like forcing myself to push forward because you can't be me you know and somebody that was teaching sensual movement, somatic movements, embodiment, and sacred sexuality, and not just be having like orgasmic pleasure all the time. I don't do it when I don't want to. Sometimes for me, being in pleasure with my body is literally just taking the time to use the soaps that I love that smell good in the shower, the lotions that smell good, and, and just honoring myself in that way. That, that sometimes is enough right? It doesn't have to be this hypersexualized, performative version of me. And when I am in interactions with people and I am, you know, feeling not so great, I express that when I'm, when I'm having, you know, fears or doubts or anything, I express that, but I don't just dump it on them. I, I let them know like, hey, I'm feeling a little bit off can I talk and vice versa if somebody else is and I'm not available to that and that can even be my kid I can tell my kids sometimes like hey um mama's not having a great day can we talk about it later and are you able to reach out to your therapist right that happens <laughs> that, that is a thing I do 
And that's something that as a mom has taken a lot or like trying to give my kid everything when they're stressed out about stuff. Like the immediate desire is to fix everything and they're upset. And I don't handle things that way anymore. Like I I know some of my kids own resourcing tools that they've learned in therapy. And instead of being like, it's okay, what can I do to make you feel better right now? How can I... I asked the question and said, like, is there any resourcing tools that I can support you in doing right now? Right? If they're sad and they tell me I'm feeling sad right now, my immediate instinct is like, get them out of sadness. But it's like, okay, well, how would you like to feel your sadness right now? Do you want to curl up and watch a movie? Do you want to play video games? Do you want me to pet your head? Like, what can I do? Um, that's a very different way of approaching things because what I was doing when they were younger is getting into this state of like hyper fixation on needing to be a good mom, right? To fix things because my mom didn't care about me. So now I have to make sure that my child is never upset, never hurt. And it would... And then if they were be upset, and even if it was at me, like it would shut me down because I would immediately take that into I am being a bad mom. And I can kind of remove myself from that now. I can see myself as like, yeah, the situation they're going in, like I would love to help with this, but like not everything is my job to fix. And that's okay, but I can at least just support them through it and be there emotionally as they need it, right? And I've also taken times to, in moments where, you know, I just do everything for them. I would empower them on how to deal with stuff. Like they, um, they paid their car registration for the first time and I gave them the website, uh, where to go to renew it and all of that. And we did it. I've, I've taken them to the DMV and taught, shown them how to do those things. I've taught them how to be self-sufficient but also supporting them without being like, oh, but if they have to pay for it themselves, if they do it themselves, that's bad. And truthfully, they're 21 years old. And while, yeah, there's still things that I take care of, but there's things that I've taught them like, hey, when you're able to, these are things that you can support yourself with. And these are things that I get to support you with. And that's very empowering because... (laughs) It's not just helping me to alleviate this pressure of saying, like, I must do everything for them to prove that I'm not my mother, to prove that I'm a better mom, but I'm showing up more honestly and and also teaching them that as an adult now, there are still things that even in college you can do for yourself and I know that you can and I trust that you're capable and I'll be here to support you with it and there's things that I'm happy to do for you to support you right that's an amazing payoff (laughs) um and just finding things about myself that I genuinely love about who I am like being in states where I'm genuinely happy with who I am with my life I, I speak my truth way more honestly and so quickly because I'm not anticipating how somebody is going to react to me anymore. That is huge. Right? That is huge. 
I trust my instincts on things. And it's funny, like I had this moment the other day when a client asked me about all this and they're like, so is your mom's like voice still in your head? Like, does that still come up throughout your day? And I thought about it because, you know, a lot of times like our inner critic voice, it may sound like us, but that voice started from a parent or some or a caretaker or somebody in our life that we now hear as ourselves being like, you shouldn't do that, right? Shame is never something that comes from us. It is always taught to us by other people. And even if we self-shame, we learn to do it based on other people. It's never something that inherently comes from us. So I thought about what she asked and I was like, hmm. I was like, you know what? No, not really. I was like, there's definitely little parts of myself that every so often come up. But I was like, to be honest, my authentic voice, my intuition is pretty consistent. And I just kind of sat with that and I was like, wow, it really is. Like, I know that, but like to sit with that and to be like, oh, yeah, (laughs) I really am at a point in my life where like I can I can wake up and maybe feel a little off. Um, I'm doing some pretty, pretty big things in my career and life right now. Some pretty major changes, which I will talk about at a later date because I don't want this podcast to be too long. But making some big changes. So I've had some moments over the past couple days of waking up and feeling like a little, little edgy, a little, little discomfort there. And it would go away pretty quickly. And then through the rest of my day, like I'm doing what I want. I post what I want. I show up in my client sessions. Um, Right now I'm collaborating with a lot of people for some things. You know, I'm showing up. I'm reaching out for some of the contacts that I have for some of the other stuff I have going on. All of that stuff is happening effortlessly. And I'm doing it based on instinct of like, oh, you should reach out to so-and-so or, you know, today is not the day to send that or, you know, whatever. Like, I'm just trusting all that. So I sat with it for a minute after she said that. I'm like, well, why was that there? Oh, it's just, it's the wounded young mom in me that gets nervous about doing too much and and being seen as selfish, right? Because there was a time when my my daughter was young and I was young. I had them at age 20 when I was still very worried about proving my mom wrong that I was not a selfish person I was not a bad person so I would limit the amount of success I had and I recognized like oh that's why that's coming up a little bit in the morning and then I you know I listen to something that really inspires me um right now I'm on a Brene Brown kick (laughs) not Not that um, I'm not, you know, there's ever times where I'm like, no, Brene Brown's not good to listen to. I think she's amazing. Um, There's a lot of people I listen to. So, you know, I'll listen to something Brene Brown has talked about. We'll go back and listen to like sections of audiobooks. I'll do some of my journaling or whatever else I want to do for myself that morning. And it's gone. (laughs) It's gone within minutes. And when we were talking about that, me and my client, and I was like, yeah, like it's done at that point. 
So she was like, so you really like, you're just sending out all of these messages. You're, you're doing all these meetings, you're doing all this stuff. And like, it's not coming back up in the rest of your day. I was like, nope, not really, not anymore. It, it's me in here. And she's like, but like, so are you like, how often are you having days where like, the CPTSD is like really bothering you. I was like, it's actually pretty infrequently. I was like, now keep in mind, I've done years of work on myself, but I'm at that point where I've done so much self-work and I've gotten to a point of being comfortable being good. And I know how to tame down the part of my brain that likes chaos because it's what I grew up with. I'm an adrenaline junkie by heart. Again, for 20 years, I was a working aerialist. So, you know, hanging around 30 feet in the air wasn't shit for me. Jumping off of stuff, laying on beds of nails, walking on fire. I have done all of those things, right? Um, the only thing I have yet to do is skydive and bungee jump. And both of those, I don't think I want to do. I still have some, some healing on my spine from old injuries that, you know, that those things don't interest me. But there's tons of other stuff I've done. Um, so I know that about myself. So I keep myself active with doing activities that I enjoy. And sometimes that is a meditation, but it's, you know, I usually use a lot of movement because I know I work best when I do move my body in some ways. And even if I'm having an off day, I still make some time to move in a way that feels good and it honors where I'm feeling off. You know, maybe I dance slowly or maybe I take a slow walk outside, you know, in between breaks of just lying down and napping or watching some comfort movies, whatever. Like, I, I keep myself creative. I read. I do things that challenge my mind and my body, and it helps to keep that part of me tamed down because I know that's what I need. Otherwise, the anxious part of me, the wounded parts of me, they will get all kind of wild and crazy if I am not doing things to challenge my mind and body and to honor that. And it's not about like trying to bypass anything. I just know that these are the things I need for my mental health and my well-being. And so I'm honoring that. And if I'm sad, if I'm angry, I will literally set up a bunch of pillows and cry into them, scream into them, punch them. I give myself permission to express myself and my feelings however I need to. And it helps clear things out so much quicker. And for anybody that lives with CPTSD, you know how big that is to be at a place where you're not spending days on end falling apart or you're not becoming so triggered that you are just done for days on end and making everything about everything else or you know you're not in a place where memories can come up so quickly I can I can honor my experiences and if I start to feel triggered by something 
I'm reading or seeing or experiencing, I have the wherewithal now and the self-trust and self-love to stop it in its tracks, to say, I'm not available for this anymore. I'm done. So that I don't get triggered so deeply. And if I start feeling triggered, again, I know my tools and I go to them regularly. Like, this is not at a, I'm not at a place of functioning anymore with CPTSD. I'm thriving through it. And that is probably one of the greatest gifts I've given myself in this life of doing the work to get to this point of thriving. So to wrap this up, (laughs) I hope that that helps. And I know I'm not giving you these big examples of like these really tangible things of like, oh, I've made, you know, all of this money. I've done all these things. I've made tons of money. Like I've made tons of money. I've, I've run three businesses, two of which I owned, one of which I managed, two of which are six-figure businesses, one was a seven-figure business. I've done that stuff. I've worked really hard now. And that stuff is great, right? <laughs> Buying a new home or a car or going on big trips, right? Um, meeting somebody and getting into meaningful relationship, right? Getting married suddenly. If that's your thing, that's your thing. I actually discovered for myself as I was really getting honest that I didn't want marriage. I didn't want a traditional relationship. And the relationships that I have now honor what experiences I want and have been way fucking happier (laughs) and so much happier because I'm living in the way that I want to live and I'm aligning myself with partners romantically and people platonically that match that. And it's amazing. So yeah, there's tangible things that I could give you like, you know, what kind of money am I making now? What, you know, what kind of house do I have? What car do I have? What trips do I go on? What clothes do I have? All of that shit. I could give you all of that and it is nowhere near as important as the internal stuff and just the small daily today things that are not small because when you've gotten to a place where you really love yourself and you really have reclaimed yourself, those things are what really matter. So I hope that this helps inspire you. Again, I hope that you take some time afterward if you're new to this journey write down, okay, how does this make me feel? What would it look like to have something like that for myself? What would it look like to experience that? And I hope it inspires you to go forward. Again, if you want support, I am here. I am totally down for helping you through that. So book a call, sign up for my mailing list, whatever. And please share this with somebody that you think could benefit from it. Like, subscribe, give me a review. I would love that and appreciate it. And until next time, go take care of yourself. Do something to love yourself. And I'm here if you need me.